Life is full. It's full of beautiful moments, hard moments, and a whole lot of mundane in between. Often we find ourselves going through the motions and we end up seeing mostly the hard, mostly the boring, and failing to see the good in our days at all. With Intention is a podcast about changing the narrative. I'm your host, Desiree, and I'm no expert at living intentionally. I'm just here to share my personal learnings alongside stories from others about how we're learning to see the beauty in the mundane, celebrate our beautiful, ordinary, everyday lives, and approach every aspect of them with intention. We'll talk about things like motherhood and family, reflecting and taking care of ourselves, our work, our homes, all the things that make up our days. My hope is that you'll leave our conversations reminded that our beautiful, hard, ordinary, mundane days, this messy life, it's full of good and it's full of purpose and it's meant to be lived well with the utmost intention. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get to today's episode. Stephanie, I'm so excited to have you on the show today and talk about all things sustainable minimalism. So before we get started, uh, anyone who doesn't know you already, could you just give a quick intro about who you are and what you do? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here. Let me just say, I <laughs> I love being on the other side of a podcast interview. So thank you so much for the opportunity. My name is Stephanie Safarian. I am a mother to two young daughters. I'm a wife. And I'm a full-time podcast host. I host the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. And I know a lot of people who listen to With Intention listen to your podcast as well and absolutely love it. And I just love what you're doing with your subject matter and kind of the angle that you take minimalism as well. And I'm so excited to talk to you more about it today because so many people who listen to With Intention want to hear more about that. And I am not the expert. I kind of walk towards it slowly, I would say. So I've had a couple of interviews about similar subject matter, about zero waste in the past. And anybody who's heard me talk about it has heard me say that from the beginning. And I would say that I've definitely come a long way very slowly, but I just can't wait to hear how how you put what you call eco-minimalism into practice in your daily life. So Before we get there, and I guess really starting out on that topic to begin with, you have a new book coming out, and I want to hear more about that, why you wrote it, what it's about, and just why you think it's important to to talk about the subject of eco-minimalism. Why is it important? Why should we care? Well, we should care, especially as parents, because our children stand to inherit a destabilized planet. And I know that's like, whoa, destabilized planet. Like that sounds really scary, but it is scary. And there are things that you and I can do in our homes that don't cost extra money, don't take on extra time or stress that can actually make a really big impact, especially when a lot of people, lots of households are making little changes. So I started the Sustainable Minimalist podcast and I wrote the book because I, like you, found myself on a journey towards simplicity, a minimalist journey. I started by, you know, decluttering my little apartment. I had just become a mother. My first daughter was maybe eight months old and I was just so overwhelmed by all of her stuff, all of her frilly dresses that she never wore, all of her toys that she didn't prefer to play with. She preferred to bang on my pots. And I just spent so much time organizing her stuff, 
cleaning her stuff, making it pristine. And I just had a moment of looking first at her stuff and then at my stuff and realizing that I shouldn't have bought it. I didn't need it. We didn't use it. It was taking away from me more than it was enriching my life. And so I started along a path of decluttering. And pretty soon after I decluttered and and while decluttering and cleaning up my space really did decrease my stress and anxiety, I had a moment and I remember it vividly. It was a real turning point for me when I'm standing over this pile of stuff, her stuff, my stuff, my husband's stuff, stuff we'd inherited from deceased loved ones that you know didn't really fit in our lives, we didn't really need. And I just had a moment standing over this pile of stuff thinking, well, where is this all going to go? Like I could donate it. I could give it away. I could sell it. But at the end of the day, all this stuff was excess and it was headed to the landfill. So it was at that moment, this is a really long answer and I apologize (laughs) to your listeners, but it was at that moment where I realized that I'm not necessarily so much a minimalist. I'm an eco-minimalist. I'm what I call a sustainable minimalist, which is about not just decluttering, but also, you know, buying less, consuming less, getting rid of stuff in an eco-friendly way so that we can all essentially preserve the planet for our children. Yeah. And I kind of love how you described that moment because I think a lot of us who have decluttered have had that same moment. It's where that guilt comes from of, you know, that the guilt can come from, I can't get rid of this because so-and-so bought it for me or because I spent so much money on it. But I think a lot of it too is just, you know, maybe this deep down guilt of, yeah, where is this stuff going to go? And like you said, it, it doesn't have to, you know, there are other places we can put it, but a lot of that does, it will end up in a landfill. And if we don't change the rate at which we consume, then that cycle continues to to keep going. So I do, I think it is so important what you're talking about. When it comes to the practice of it though, I think, you know, what what happens is that it can feel so overwhelming to people. And I do get those questions a lot of just, what do I do with the stuff that I declutter? You know, how can I stop <laughs> the cycle of consuming more and more? And I think those are part of, you know, what you talk about and how you can do those things in a more eco-friendly way. What I'm trying to say is like, while I think many people think this is important, it can feel overwhelming. So your approach is realistic. It's incremental. How do you personally first put this into practice within your family? What, what does it look like? Well, that's a great question. And let me just first say that if I can do it, <laughs> you could do it. Anybody can do it. I wasn't particularly eco-friendly before becoming a mother, before starting on this journey. I, you know, I cared about the planet, but I was very unintentional in my purchasing, in my consumption, in my trashing of things. And so I, I would say to anybody listening who thinks to themselves, sure, I'd love to, you know, be a little bit more eco-friendly, but I don't know where to start. I would definitely suggest by just uh, being incremental and making one small change and then another. The first 
step in my house was really questioning everything, really getting critical about purchasing items instead of just heading to Amazon and swiping and buying now, (laughs) stopping, slowing down the purchasing process, putting up barriers to purchasing so that purchasing isn't just a mindless act, but instead it's a last resort. So I use this example all the time. Uh, last year, my six-year-old, she was then five, she, we signed her up for T-ball and we signed her up for T-ball because we really thought that she needed some sports in her life. But my husband and I didn't really think that she was actually going to like T-ball all that much because she's not quite so athletic. I'm sorry to my daughter if you ever listen to this, but she's not so athletic. And so, you know, the old me would have just headed to Amazon, purchased a glove, purchased cleats, and been on my way. But eco-minimalism is about trying to acquire these things another way, especially if my daughter turned was going to hate T-ball. And it turned out she did hate T-ball. So instead of buying, I borrowed a glove and I thrifted cleats. And I was so happy about that because I extended the lives of these items, these previously owned items, and didn't have to buy new. And I didn't have to put new items into the waste stream. Now, this is an example of a success story for me. I've had tons and tons of not so successful <laughs> stories, but that's just one way in which, you know, I practice eco-minimalism with my children. Another one is we just celebrated Christmas in my household and I am so not afraid to give secondhand gifts. My daughter wanted a lava lamp and in case anybody's listening, a lava lamp retails currently for $24.95. (laughs) And, uh, you know, $24.95 in my life for a gift for my daughter isn't a lot of money, but, you know, I know that the time in which she's going to use a lava lamp is so short. So why buy her a new one? I just went on my my, um, community's buy nothing group asked if anybody had a lava lamp hanging around and I had a lava lamp. I picked one up that afternoon for free. So those are just two examples we can get into a lot more if you'd like. But I think the first step is really just questioning what you truly need. And if you do truly need it or truly want it, can you get it in another way that doesn't involve buying it new? Yeah. And I think that that is a huge step that, you know, with so well, there are so many resources that can help make that easier for us now. Um, Facebook Marketplace, or like you said, buy nothing groups. There are other secondhand apps and other places like even just like eBay. That is such an impactful first step because not only does it, um, you know, help contribute to things not going straight from the store to your use and then to a landfill, it gives things a longer lifespan and it also is helpful to the budget. I hope you're enjoying today's episode, but I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors who are helping make With Intention possible. There are some areas of life for me where convenience is super helpful. And personally, when it comes to my health, I like to make things as easy as possible to make good choices. 
care of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. All of Care-of's products are formulated with good-for-you, clean ingredients. Their online quiz takes five minutes, it's in-depth, and it asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your health concerns, all to help you address your specific wellness goals. I love it because it really does address so many things so quickly, and I'm extremely happy about the supplement recommendations that were given to me through the quiz. I also just love the convenience of having all the vitamins in one place. If you didn't make any big resolutions this year, that's okay. Small, impactful changes are just as important, and adding a daily vitamin routine to help support your energy, your sleep, it's a great small action that you can take. You can get 50% off your first care of order. Go to takecareof.com and enter code intention50. That's 50% off your first care of order. You can go to takecareof.com and enter code intention50. I also want to thank Audible. I've been making getting outside and walking a priority this year, and my favorite walking companion, other than my dog, is Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from the bestsellers to new releases to celebrity memoirs to languages to business, motivation, and more, like original entertainment and now podcasts as well. One thing I'm really loving is Audible Plus. Audible recently launched this, and with Audible Plus, you get to have full access to their Plus catalog, which is filled with thousands and thousands of select originals, audiobooks, and podcasts. With Audible Plus, it's easy to find just the right listen. So my current listen is Free Fall to Fly by Rebecca Lyons. It can be found in the Audible Plus library, and I am enjoying it so much. It is written in the memoir style, which I love. And Rebecca Lyons, the author, talks all about her journey with crippling depression and anxiety. But I found it via just browsing the Audible Plus library, which is how I'm excited to find more and more titles that I can love and learn from. You can get a free trial of Audible Plus and find titles that you love and learn from as well. Go to audible.com slash intention, or you can text intention to 500-500 to start your 30-day trial. That's audible.com slash intention, or text intention to 500-500 to start your free 30-day trial. All right, friend, let's get back to today's episode. Uh, you talked about putting barriers up for for purchasing, and I think that um, you know the idea of secondhand can be definitely can be a hurdle for people because some people don't feel like okay, is it going to be the same quality? Is it going to look used? Is it you know some people have barriers to that, but I think the bigger barrier for a lot of people is just to cut those old habits of. Um, you know, being able to so easily buy something online. I know for me that 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 was harder for me. I I love shopping secondhand online or going thrifting. Like that's super fun for me. But it was harder for me to cut that habit of, okay, I need something. I can immediately get it if I just go on Amazon Prime. And if I'm a Prime member, I can get it to my house in like one to two days. So why am I going to go through this... um, not necessarily why I, you know, we know you talked about the why, but just the habit of, oh, this would be quicker. Um, or even in the moment, it's just so easy to press by now. So what are some of the barriers that you put in place as a family or some ways that you suggest others, um, can start to break that habit? That's a great question. And I should start by 
answering it by saying that it's not us really who benefit when the barriers to purchasing are lowered. It's the corporations who are making money off of us. So saved credit card information, apps where you literally just swipe and you can buy all these e-commerce tricks are benefiting the corporation's bottom line. And so when you think about being a more conscious consumer and building those barriers back up, it sounds hard, it sounds scary, but it's really as simple as enacting a 12 or 24-hour waiting period, sleeping on it, right? Everything's clear in the morning. So before you buy that T-ball glove, perhaps you put it in your cart and then you sleep on it. Or perhaps you delete that Amazon app from your phone so you have to actually sit down at your computer, log on. Perhaps you unsubscribe from all those marketing emails that say 70% off blowout. You know, those are enticing tricks to get you to, to buy more than you need. So those are just some tricks uh, to begin with. I also always recommend first and foremost, going on a shopping ban. And again, that sounds really scary, but it's really just 30 days in which you stop purchasing anything that's a want. You're going to keep spending on things that are needs like food, like rent or mortgage, like utility bills. Um, But perhaps you're not going out to eat. You're not, you know, buying from a restaurant. Um, You're not buying those cute pants or those cute boots that are on sale. And I love shopping bans because they really allow you to look critically at your spending habits. They allow you to save some money. They highlight what's a want versus what's a need. And, you know, if you get through 30 days with your partner or your spouse and you hate, you hate it, you learned nothing, then on the 31st or the 32nd day, you can go right back to buying as you used to. But I think that, you know, stopping, taking a breath, taking a look at what we're buying, how often we're buying, and, you know, whether buying is actually what we need to do uh, can go a long, long way in becoming and helping us become more conscious consumers. Yeah, that's such a good suggestion because I think that you know, when it comes to real lasting habit change, it sometimes we have to take bolder measures to get there. I know my habits changed most through doing like what you said, kind of like a no spend challenge um, on our just looking towards our debt free journey. That was one of the biggest things that helped me with our spending habits and helped me truly finally figure out how to track our budget because we were finally not spending as much and um, rethinking things for a longer period of time, even though it was just 30 days. It's just, it's enough time to, to start to reconsider, just start to change habits. So one thing that we haven't talked about yet, I would love to hear just a little bit more about, you know, starting points when it comes to zero waste in general. Um, I know that term can sound overwhelming to people and sometimes they just discount it. From what I've talked to people, the goal is never actually zero because that can be very impossible, but it's just to have less waste. So 
other than secondhand shopping, what are some other starting points to being a household that has less waste? Great question. I actually, my episode that's coming out this week is all about (laughs) why the term zero waste is terrible (laughs) because you're right. Zero waste, you know, on Instagram, let's say zero waste is all about fitting a year's worth of trash in a cute little mason jar. And for me with two daughters and probably for 99.99% of the world's population, that is just never, ever going to happen. So when we say zero waste, what we really mean is just less waste or lower waste. And when we seek to trap or when I've sought to um, live a life that produced less waste, the most practical way for me to do that was to take one very small, very tiny change and just excel at it. And that's what I would suggest for any of your listeners as well. Take something so small that it's not even going to feel like a burden and just, you know, crush it. Perhaps that small change is bringing bags to the supermarket. And if you already do that, awesome. Maybe then you also bring produce bags to the supermarket so you're not taking those flimsy ones. And if you're already doing that, well, but you go out for coffee a lot, maybe it's getting in the habit, and not just getting in the habit, but also getting comfortable and confident with bringing your own reusable mug and handing it over to the barista instead of taking the paper one that's lined in plastic that's not recyclable. So it's about finding a habit that you think that you can crush. You can really do great at it. You're not going to want to jump into composting right off the bat, especially if you've never even considered waste reduction before. You don't want to bite off more than you can chew. Uh, I really believe when it comes to any lifestyle change, but really when it comes to eco-friendliness in general, it's about taking one little tiny baby step in the right direction, trying it on, seeing if it fits within your lifestyle. And once you have really fully incorporated it into your life, then you put another one on top of it and then another one and then another one. And then over time, over years even, you've really made some huge progress. I love that so much. And I just love your incremental approach in general because like you said, if you are on Instagram, you know, if you if you feel compelled to put out less waste as a family and you're on Instagram, you're looking for tips, you're looking for ideas and you come across these accounts where, you know, someone is doing it quite near perfectly, we have to remember that that person is like you said, like one like 0.0001% of people and it can easily make us feel overwhelmed. Just like I said from the beginning, I think that the biggest thing that turns people off of even considering just like living more eco-conscious in general is the idea that there's so many different starting points and that can feel overwhelming of just that all or nothing mentality to just dive in. But just one, one small thing at a time. I, I love that. Um, I love that as a starting point into this lifestyle. I have two questions that I ask every guest, but before we get there, um, where can our listeners find you? Where can they find your book? My book 
comes out on January 20th. I'm not sure when this will air, but it is anywhere you find books. It is on Amazon. It is on Indie Books. If you are a Canadian listener, I suggest you check your local library if you're interested before purchasing new, of course. And it is called Sustainable Minimalism. My podcast is the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, and it is wherever you find podcasts. I love it. I am excited for your book as well. But the two questions that I ask every guest, the first one is, you know, this is the With Intention podcast. So I love to talk about intentional living. And it is very clear that (laughs) you practice intentionality in the way that your family consumes things and uh, discards of things. And so other than that, aside from that, I would like to know a different way that you choose intentionality and practice intentionality in your daily life. I love this question and I love how you ask it to everybody because everybody has such a different answer. But the way I choose intentionality is by reminding myself every single day constantly that how I spend my days is really how I spend my life. And so, you know, I don't want my life to be marked by how well I do laundry (laughs) or, or how clean my house is. I want to be, I want my life to be marked by how present I am as a mother uh, or how dedicated I am to, you know, my podcast. So I have a to-do list every single day. I write it the night before. I write how I spend my days is how I spend my life at the top every single morning. And I make sure to write down the things that I want to prioritize, like time with my kids, like walking my dog. And even though I like spending time and I like walking my dog, I still do have to write it down because if I don't, all the other distractions might make it so those things that I actually like doing don't get done. So that's a long way of answering your question, but I hope I answered it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I I love that you, that quote is kind of like your mantra each day and that you write it before your to-do list. That is so intentional. I love it. (laughs) So my second question is, and this is my last question, what is something that you're loving right now? And it can be anything. Good question. I will say that although I am not loving social isolation as a whole, I will say that I am enjoying and loving some parts of it. I'm loving that my husband is home more. I'm loving that mornings are not so frenetic. I also used to be a teacher. So I'm loving that my first grader, especially like I get to really be immersed in her education because I'm her teacher three days a week. So I'm loving the fact that I'm not loving the pandemic. I'm not loving social isolation, but I am loving that the pandemic has enabled me to uh, have more time with my loved ones. I love that too. I think, I mean, it's just so helpful know we've just moved out of like the craziest year of most of our lives and it's so helpful to look at the positives of even though it's horrible it should go without saying that we're not like happy there's a pandemic but just to look at the positives of the gifts of what this has brought into our lives that's the only way to get through it but thank you so much again for coming on the podcast again i'm so excited for your book so thank you again thank you so much for having me this was a ton of fun I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And as you might know, I like to end each episode with a challenge, an application point of some sort. 
And so today, the obvious challenge would be to say, what is one small step forward you can make in making your household a little bit more eco-friendly? And while I think that that is an important application point, and I think that that is something that you can absolutely take action on, I also want to challenge you to do something else. As Stephanie said, this journey does not have to be all or nothing. Zero waste is a really hard standard to hit and not many people get there. And it's just a really intimidating term in general. So I want you to think about what are you doing? What are you already doing to live a little more eco-friendly? What is one thing that you do maybe every day or weekly that is already a sustainable practice? Maybe you shop secondhand. Maybe you take a reusable coffee mug with you to work every day. Maybe there's multiple things. I just want you to reflect on what do you already do? And here's why. This topic for me brings up guilt. And I I know I said that in the beginning of this episode. I always feel like, okay, I haven't come as far as I wanted to. I wish we were doing more. I sometimes forget my reusable coffee mug and end up getting a disposable one at my local coffee shop. I secondhand shop a lot, but I don't secondhand shop for every single little thing. So I think when we think about what we aren't doing, it can just become more overwhelming. And it sometimes gets us into that fixed mindset place where we think, okay, well, I have so much to do and I'm just not good at this. I'm not good at this, I'm not already doing it, so that must mean that I'm not good at it. So I just want you to flip that script and think about it with a growth mindset. And so first, you have to write down, what are you already doing? What changes have you already made? And maybe they aren't even changes that you made on purpose. Maybe they're just things that you automatically do in your day. Because when we list out what we are already doing, then we start to get in this place of realizing that it is possible to make change. It is possible to take small steps. It is possible to walk slowly but surely towards a more eco-friendly life. And so after you've listed what you're already doing, that's a good time to choose one thing that you wanna walk towards. Because you're in a place of believing that you're capable of this. So what's one small change that you do wanna make towards being more eco-friendly in your home or just in your everyday life? Again, you can always take or leave my challenges. I just put them here as a way to make an application point for the episode to help you walk towards intention in whatever it is that we are talking about that week. So that is all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with a friend. You can text it to a friend. You can share it on Instagram, wherever you like to share things. I appreciate you so much for sharing and inviting more women into this community. And I will talk to you right back here again on the show next week.